So I want to um, share something that the Lord put on my heart, and it's a really exciting opportunity, but it has a little sting too. (laughs) And sometimes that happens, right, when God challenges us. But we're living in a culture that is obsessed with self, selfies, self. We are focused on our schedules, our relationships, our families, our needs, our pain, our current status. Um, Bob and I often laugh at things that are posted on social media, and I'm sure we've done some of them as well. But it's like pictures of a drink. Bless you, Stace. (laughs) Like, every time I sit down, I'm not like, water. (laughs) I I don't care what you're drinking. Had a bagel for breakfast. Thank you for letting us know what you had. (laughs) Status, tired. Okay, (laughs) me too. Currently sitting in traffic. Exciting, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. And it's funny, it's comical if you think about it. I know we're just doing it to kind of like take up time and just be casual kind of shoot out what's going on in our life. Um, But at the root, it really shows how naturally self-absorbed we are to really believe that people care, like (laughs) what we had to eat when stuff that is so big is going on in their lives and in the world. And in our culture, We've become so saturated with self that we've lost even the most simple manners that were once just normal. We can't hold a door open for someone anymore because we're in a rush to get what we need and get out. We won't pick up garbage on the ground in front of us because we're not the one that put it there. We can't be patient with the slow driver because we have somewhere very important that we have to be. Never mind the driver could be ill, nervous, or elderly. We got to get there. The waitress ruined our meal. You know, you know she did. The crying kid ruined my meal. My husband's mood ruined my meal. (laughs) On and on. Again, our thoughts rarely turn to why the waitress is foul, how stressed the mom who brought their child out for a meal is at this point, and what happened in our husband's day that made him feel so down. We view every interaction and every event in our life through the eyes of how is this affecting me? We see how our plans have been ruined, our schedule disrupted, and our meal interrupted at times. Now, Pastor Henderson used to do one of these (laughs) when he knew people wouldn't like what he was saying. Bob did not build this big enough, really, for you to get down quick enough, so you have to be nice today, okay? I wonder how many times a day we miss a God opportunity. God puts someone in our path, trusting us with their heart. But instead of recognizing that this could be an opportunity, we're so focused on ourselves, we don't even see them. 
Even worse, many times we do see them, in fact, but we're more concerned about how what's happening is going to affect us than we are trying to help them. I want to share a message with you today that is going to come with an exciting opportunity. Oh, yes, you're excited, aren't you? The title of the message is Listening for a Heart Drop. The inspiration for this comes first from the heart of God. And with a little help from a book that I fell in love with called Listen, Love, Repeat. It's by Karen Eamon, and it's just a very simple book. It's not anything like earth-shattering. But it opened my eyes to the supernatural power at work in something I had just considered very basic and common. That very simple concept is kindness. I've always had a tender heart, and I've had a lot of great examples through my life. Examples of uh, people who were hospitable and thoughtful and caring. I feel like my church modeled that for me. My family, my grandma and my mom are both very kind and thoughtful and reach out to people and open their homes. And there's always been this sensitivity that I've had to the needs that are around me. Quite honestly, I didn't really give it much thought. I just felt like it's part of being a Christian, right? Christians should be nice and (laughs) should be sensitive to things that are going on around us. However, over the course of a couple years, the Lord has placed within me a vision for organized ministry that's centered around the kindness of God. This has been really difficult for me to conceptualize and articulate Um, as a formal ministry because it's just such a personal ministry and I feel like it is very little, I guess we would say. Um, It's just small ways of meeting needs of people. It could be a handwritten note. It could be a ride to church. It could be a homemade treat. Sugar is my love language. If you receive it, you are loved. If you give it, you will be loved. Um, It could be a gift that I saw and thought of someone. It it could be a conversation, a hug. It could even just be a smile that you know when you did it, it just made an impact. How do you begin a ministry based on uh, a premise of thoughtfulness and kindness? So here's my conversation with God. I don't get it. This is too simple. This is not something I can try to explain to people. It's just, it's common sense. What is so profound about kindness? There are many people, including people who don't even know God, who are kind and who do good deeds. The world is full of organizations and people and activities that will support one another So how is this a thing? How is this a God thing for us? Enter God into the conversation. He likes to respond, you know, when you ask him a question. In Zechariah 4.10, here's my first scripture. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I was like, okay. It shall begin. 
It begins with just small acts of obedience that may not be organized ministry, but they're small acts of obedience. One of those acts was going to um, Beatrice Valencia because God had put her on my heart for two years and I, you know, didn't know what I wanted her to do or how to explain to her, so I just didn't go because I have to have it all together. Like, I'm very organized. It has to... So finally, I just went to her and babbled out, like, something like, I want you to help me do something. I don't know what I'm going to do. What do you think? <laughs> something like that. I want to help people. Um, and I said, just pray about it, and tears just streamed down her face. She said, I don't need to pray. I already know what you're coming for. God has already gone before us and things we don't have to know before we obey. Sounds like something Bob said a couple weeks ago, right? The next scripture is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love that in advance. He already saw us in time and had planned out every day and put people in our path every day and, and positions in our life that we would be influencers. The good that is in here that says good works. The good in the Greek means intrinsically kind. Kindness that originates from God and is empowered by God. So these good works are not just good deeds. They are thoughts that are initiated by the Holy Spirit and they're anointed by his kindness and love, not human kindness. If you remember, the Bible says there is no one good, not one. So our good works are not good. They're not good. The only thing that's good comes from the Father. Then he goes on to reveal the power of what God's kindness can do as opposed to our own self-motivated acts of generosity. In Romans 2.4, it says God's kindness is intended to lead humans to repentance. It's sad that that was mind-blowing for me as God revealed the depth of his kindness. There's a purpose Unknowingly, we've minimized the power of kindness because it is what draws people to the Lord. So it is part of the role of salvation, God's kindness. The Greek word for kindness is a combination of two concepts. It means both earthly thoughtful and eternally useful. I just felt my heart leap when I read this because that's what I was trying to get a hold of. What makes, when you prompt an act of kindness, what makes it so anointed? And it's because even though it's a practical need that's being met, it's eternally impacting their spirit because it came from the heart of God. It didn't come from our own desires. Our own desires can be a very dangerous thing um, in outreach, in missions, in any of these areas, I, I've always, Bob and I both have always had this like, because outreach and missions and benevolence 
can very easily become about us. How it makes us feel when we help these people. How much better we are off than those people. Wow, look at us. We are such generous givers, helping the poor people who are so much lower than we are. We don't think like that. I don't think anyone in this room does, but it happens. And you don't realize you're more engaged in the rush of the event than you are the purpose behind it. Because if it's not pointing people to Christ's love, then it's pointless. They can go get food from the food bank. People can go get help from agencies. They can. They need more. When God started speaking to me and revealing the power of this concept of loving people through acts of kindness and spirit-led thoughtfulness, I knew it was part of our destiny as a church. It's already in the DNA of so many of you. You you already have this gift inside of you. Our willingness to be generous and reach out is a strength. What, though, if we could hear the hearts of others like we hear the hearts of our family that's here? What would our church look like? What would our community look like if this body of Christ could learn to hear the cries of the lost and respond at the Spirit's leading. How, how do we do this? How do we hear these cries? We begin by cultivating the art of listening, really listening. In her book, Listen, Love, Repeat, Karen Eamon introduces the concept of the heart drop. If you were in my very small life group that we did probably four years ago, you may remember this uh, term, the heart drop. It changed my life because it brought a definition to how God would use me. A heart drop is when someone gives you a peek into their heart. This could be through a conversation. It could be expressed in a more subtle way. It could be through actual words, or it could just be that you pick up on a feeling. Anybody ever been there? Heard a heart drop? Two people were really... We're going to do this. <laughs> I think you've all experienced that, where you knew that someone needed something. It's not a matter of having some kind of spidey sense, something special. It's a matter of spending time with the Lord so that you can be sensitive to his heart. And then choosing what Karen Eamon says, to live alert so that you're positioned to hear those heart drops. Sometimes we can be somewhere and be completely unaware of the people around us. I have been in stores and I could not tell you what the person in front of me or behind me looked like. If I were to have to identify them, I'd be like, I, don't, I didn't even look at them. I mean, they could be right beside me. There have been events take place and situations take place in church or, and somebody be like, I didn't even know that happened. I didn't even know what was going on. How can this happen? We're either so busy or so self-absorbed that we're just not available to hear it. 
Hearing a heart drop is a gift that must be cultivated. If we want to recognize the opportunities around us, we have to adjust our thinking, our schedule, and our priorities. How do we adjust our thinking? It's really pretty simple. It's not about you. Done. <laughs> There's your thinking adjustment. Stop looking at everything through the lens of how it affects you. That's the world's way. And may I say that that way only leads you into deeper pits of unhappiness. The more you focus on you, the worse you're going to feel. But the more you focus on others, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. It works. If we remove ourselves from the equation, the Holy Spirit is going to have freedom to show us what he wants to show us. Our schedule, slow down. Slow down. Do we need to do some of the things we're doing? If you don't leave any room in your schedule for an interruption or an opportunity, as I like to call them, then you won't have them. God won't bring them because you're, you refuse to engage in them. So you will not find people in your life. I literally could find someone every single day to be an opportunity for me. I'm just talking about opening a door, something. It, I'm not saying uproot your whole life. I'm saying be cognizant of others, that they're around you. How about our priorities? It's very good to make plans. The Bible says that we should count costs, make plans. But as Christians, we hold our plans very loosely, very loosely. Because when a situation rises, we need to ask ourselves, what is the most important thing at this moment, right now? It's very likely that it's the person standing right in front of you. The one you're running over to get to the big thing you have to do, they could be that person. The Bible says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Even Jesus did not come for anything that had to do with himself, but he came to serve. How much more would we? Who on earth had something more important to do than Jesus? Has anyone ever had a greater mission or more responsibility than Jesus? Yet Jesus was always about the one. We like to focus on the sensational stories of crowds and, and the big things that Jesus did. But often Jesus broke away from the crowd when he heard a heart drop. In Mark, Jesus was in a crowd and he asked, who touched me? The disciples thought he was crazy. They're like, what are you talking about who touched you? You're in a massive crowd. Everybody's touching you. It says people were pressing against him. Jesus could have ignored that touch that he felt. He was busy doing something bigger. He could be justified with that. He had a mission. But he didn't ignore her. He didn't push away the feeling that he felt in that moment. He stopped what he was doing, trusting that God would help him get the bigger mission done, right? And he responded to the heart drop. The gift of hearing heart drops is necessary 
for us to make an eternal impact. It has to be cultivated, though, and we have to be willing to modify our lives to put others first. So that gift of um, hearing a heart drop and living alert, that's the easy part. This would be the time to to duck. God has something a little harder for me, definitely, and I'm sure for all of us. I've known in my heart as the Lord has been stirring this that it's not just about the little things. The fun, rewarding acts of kindness, that comes natural for me. Um, I know God wants to multiply those through ministry, and those are a big part of what we're going to do. And we're going to share more about that later on. Those are impactful things. And sometimes God just wants to use something little to speak something big. But I've known deep in my heart that it's time to face those heart-wrenching, long-haul needs that I sense as well. I love when I can dry up a tear with a stuffed animal or take a friend out and get ice cream and make it all better. But when it comes to the issues that I don't know anything about, the lifestyles that are foreign to me, the bondages that come with baggage and they need particular attention and long-term plans and care, that's a whole different ballgame. And for most of my life, I, I told you I, I have a sensitivity to the things around me and the people to the point that if a, if a situation is very significant and obvious, it almost paralyzes me with pain. Um, we would go to Cracker Barrel in Cambridge. Do you remember this? We would go to a Cracker Barrel in Cambridge on our way home from vacation every year. So when we decided we were going to stop here, my stomach would start getting sick because one of the workers was um, disabled. And it was very obvious how disabled he was, but he continued to try and work. And I, I couldn't even eat. I mean, I was like, Jesus, Jesus, please heal him. Jesus, make him whole. Jesus, please heal him. Jesus, please heal him. Because my heart was so broken. I just wanted to get him. And if I would see anyone that was in this kind of situation, it just would crush me and literally make me feel so helpless. And so I would pray with, for these people. Sometimes I would pray with these people. But then what? get out of there because this is too painful. (laughs) This hurts. You guys have all experienced this. You know those people that you see and their countenance screams out addiction. It's all over them. Those people who literally seem like a shell of a person because of the abuse and the trauma that they've experienced. Those who are hollow are angry at God because they've lost something or someone. Those parents of chronically ill children or children with special needs who are physically, spiritually, and probably financially exhausted. Who will tend to their needs? Will it be the church? Or is that United Way's job? How will we minister to the mentally and physically disabled, those who are suffering. 
Will our veterans who are suffering from PTSD, who are unable to resume their normal lives, who carry burdens we could not possibly fathom, will they be honored and cared for by us? Or is that up to the government? I have to be honest that I have not taken care of those needs, right? I'm here and I love them. And the turning away is not because I don't. It's because I'm not sure what to do with that. So here's God's challenge. Instead of a cycle of pity, prayer, pity, prayer, pity, prayer, what could we do? If I really want to help other people, then I can implement a plan to get equipped. I can get educated. And most importantly, I can engage the body to do what they were called to do. Maybe God shows me needs, but I'm not the one that needs to meet them all. I know that's true. I may not have the best resources for counseling, but one of you do. I may not have the answers for veterans, but one of you do. I may not have the ability to empathize with someone who has lost a child, but one of you do. I don't know what it's like to be addicted, but one of you do. God has put us together for a purpose, and I don't have to have all the answers, and I don't have to turn away from pain because there's a way to prepare for it. I simply have to obey God, and he will have all the pieces to put into place. We have a phrase around here that you've heard, reach, embrace, abound. Have you seen that on our walls or heard it before? It's just a little phrase we use. I think we're really good at the reach. Uh, stretching our hands out to help others. We are generous. We're loving. We're definitely rock stars at taking care of each other, taking care of our church family. Would you agree with that? Yes. I just wanted to see if you were out there. But there are really two more words in that phrase that are probably more important than the first. The second word is embrace. Embrace means to avail oneself, to take in or include as part of a more inclusive whole, to be equal. We're not going to change people's lives by pitying them by keeping them at arm's length after we offer some help. We're going to need to be vulnerable to share our testimony because when people come in here, they see what we're doing. They see we're put together. They see I'm well-spoken. We are raising our hands. We are all in happy families. They have no clue what you have been through. They don't know the darkness. They don't know the depths of pain that you have suffered, but if they did, they would feel like they could be a part. We need to find a way to share that, and we're going to. We're going to make plans for that. We need to be willing to walk beside them for as long as it takes. Are we ready to let them in our lives? Because discipleship does not happen on Sundays. You have to be willing to let them in your life during the week. 
do we have room? It's a question that I'm asking myself. Trust me. Right, Bob? That was our question for the entire week. I try to prepare for this sermon about six times. <laughs> That's why there's no slides, because you know what? There were opportunities or interruptions, but I saw them as opportunities. Trusting God would take care of the bigger picture. Our third word, well, actually, on the embrace side, I did want to go back to that story of the issue of blood. When, remember the story that I told you about her touching his robe, and when Jesus felt her desperation and her faith, he responded. But this woman really shouldn't have touched him to begin with. She was considered unclean. And therefore, she would make Jesus unclean by touching him. That was the concept. She risked her life to just reach out and touch him. This could have been her last hope. What if she was ignored? Or even worse, what if Jesus reminded her of the unclean woman that she already knew she was? There are people who are going to reach out. Maybe they even already have. Are we going to pretend we don't see them? We don't feel their pain? Perceive their request for help simply because it's out of our comfort zone? Or because we don't want to put in the work to get prepared? Even worse, are we afraid of how unclean they are? Maybe we are because it's not familiar to us. We don't know what to do with it. Are we worried about the impact of their arrival and how it will change what we've become accustomed to? Will we call them forward out of their shame so we can embrace them with healing? Or will we send them off with a reminder they're unclean? Our third word is abound. And abound means to be present in large numbers or great quantity to be prevalent. You can't offer to help people and then not be here when they get here. That's false advertising. And numbers do matter. Because would you be more excited to come into the presence of a hundred people that are on fire and excited about their God, would that inspire you? Or would coming into 20 who are dead logs on a seat inspire you? They, they're going to want what we have if we really have it, right? So are we going to be consistent? Because that's a word. We're, we're really good at events and things that like jumping in there for a day. and make, But are you in it for the long haul? Because they've already been abandoned by other people. So if they come in here and we bail when it gets tough, they're used to that. If they are a project to us until we're sick of it and we move on, they've already tasted of that. And they're skeptical already. So it's not going to be a quick throw 30 bucks at them for gas and, wow, we revolutionized their life. 
No, they don't need that. That's not what they need. Will they find people who genuinely love them, accept them, and are willing to take the time to build a relationship with them? Are they going to find a church family who's done the research to find resources and support groups and tools to help them when they leave these altars? My dream is for a culture of kindness to become our trademark. I want it to be like a stamp on our forehead. When they see us coming, they're like, oh, no. What's crazy going to do? She's going to do something kind. He's going to do something kind. I don't want to build a name for our church. I just literally want it to become our culture. I want it to become your lifestyle when you are outside of these walls. And then there are going to be opportunities for us to do big things together. But it's got to come from the right place in your heart. The motivation cannot be to make us feel good, to make us look good, to even fill these seats. I don't care if they come here. If they give their heart to the Lord, I don't care. And that's the truth. But I want to know we're impacting souls for Jesus. I would love for us to come together each week and have a little video clip of a heart drop for the week, something that happened. Kindness is contagious. And if we start it together, it will be like a contagion. It will just set us on fire. I want that culture of kindness to be the foundation for bigger things God has for us. He's asking us to prepare. He's already told us to make room, that he's getting ready to do something. I want us to be ready for them. Um, I'm going to close, and, and as I do here, I just want to share with you that I met with a small group of people last week. Um, some of them had already come to me and shared very similar, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with this. Me and Bob would laugh because we were at dinner with someone after about like the fifth person, and he goes, I don't really know if I should tell you because I don't even know what it is. And me and Bob go, oh, then we know what ministry you'll be in. Because <laughs> that's how it started with me. I don't understand. I don't know. But as we step forward in obedience, then God starts making the opportunities very clear. And I think he's just wanting obedience first. And he's wanting us to recognize he's in the little things. So we got together and we shared um, different ideas. I shared my heart about this umbrella of ministries called the care ministries. The dream is big because there are so many different areas that are um, illuminated to me, that I'm cognizant of, that need to be addressed. And yet we need to do it in a way that has order and, and we can ask the Lord to prioritize and help us with. These ministries are very diverse. There's different facets of care that's going to provide opportunities for all of you to be involved at some level. I know there are things on the dream list that are going to resonate with you. And the list we have isn't even exhaustive. But what does this ministry look like? It looks like thoughtfully preparing to minister to the needs in our body so our church family knows they're loved. And it means being prepared to meet bigger, more specific needs of the lost in our community. 
What are some of these areas? Recovery. Celebrate recovery type ministries for people that have hurts and habits. Divorce recovery, addiction, grief recovery. I love grief share. That is like a huge thing in my heart. Ministry to our shut-ins. We've already started this. Someone has already offered to go fix their house. A handyman team. Are there little things you need done? A personal shopper. Again, someone has already started doing this. Taking shut-ins soup. Taking shut-ins communion when we're going to take it. These are things we can do for our own. New moms. Our college kids. Those in the military that are gone. Do they know we care? Do they know we miss them? There are bigger things like families with special needs. Could we have services for those families? Special services, special events to help them. That's in my heart. On a larger scale, we need to prepare action plans. We need to know about facilities, counselors, workshops, things that we could help even maybe host here so they could be available to the community. One of the things I mentioned was partnering people based on their testimony. So if someone comes in with a testimony like you have, some people are going to have ridiculous situations they think no one else has been through, and you've been through it. Would you be willing for us to tell them you've been through it and partner you with them? Not the whole church. We're not going to stand up and be like, no, I call out Bob Meredith. He was... (laughs) We would partner you. In our meetings, Stacy just began to bawl her eyes out. She just could hardly sit in her seat. She goes, do you know what classes I'm taking? No, I don't, Stacy. Peer recovery support. She's being licensed through the state to learn how to partner people with peers that have been through what they've been through. God was already doing it. Homeless, veterans, all of these, we've already had contacts. I had a conversation with an owner of a restaurant who's begging me to help. How can I help you? How can I help you? And he was homeless. That's how he started. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with the homeless. Do you, you got to help me. God will bring what we need. He will bring what we need. There's an immediate opportunity that um, we're going to have right now. Again, this week, over the past week or two, we've just, God has just been opening so many doors. And um, we will organize those thoughts and get them because I could just spew them all out all over the place and your head would be spinning. But God has shown his faithfulness. And one of the things um, that is going to be happening immediately is that when we started our outreach for last year, we had plans right, Jess? (laughs) And then we had COVID. um, And it seemed to cramp a lot of the ideas that we had. But one of the dreams we had was to collect items every month from our church and then create these um, packages called hope totes that we would take to hospitals to families with children uh, who were in critical condition or had special needs and just they weren't expecting to be there at the hospital practical things that we could give to those families. Um, This was kind of birthed uh, because of Benjamin and Audrey. Um, Audrey's life and death impacted the hospital in a crazy way. 
the testimony that they shared still is impacting that hospital. They know who we are because of a family who clung to God. The warnings have made an impact on these hospitals. And we're like, you know what? If some of our family has this open door, then we have this open door because we are one, right? And so we started praying about it and kind of coming up and, and we had nothing. But just this past week, we got calls back from both Cleveland Clinic and University. I'm like, Jess, I was thinking like, dry point? <laughs> both of them have approved our church to provide them with hope totes in their emergency rooms. This way, if the family's going into the hospital and they not, didn't know they were going to, we'll already have something prepared. Then they called back and said, what about the adults? Well, I got 10 stuffed lambs in the closet. I'm not sure how far that's gonna go, but um, is it what we were expecting? No. Am I scared? No, not at all. God opens the doors, God provides. Are the footies that we pack in this hope tote, the battery packs for their phones, the lotion, is that gonna change their life? No. But is the Build-A-Bear that our children build and kiss the heart and pray over it, is that going to change their heart? Is the prayer card we put in the basket with our personal phone number, call me anytime for prayer, is that going to change their heart? It's the anointing of the kindness of God that's going to make those hope totes truly full of hope. It's not the practical things, but the practical things will lead them to know we love them. We are going to begin collecting, Stace, can you put that up? We're gonna begin collecting immediately. Is it as organized as I want? Nope. That's like the MO of this whole thing with God with me. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Whatever, we'll do it Bob's way. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just go with it and then you'll anoint it. We are gonna collect $10 gift cards for Panera, Starbucks, Subway, or Einstein. Do you know why? Because those are in the hospital. So they will not have to leave the hospital, but they can get good food instead of, eh. Dornings could probably tell us what kind of food is like. We're also gonna take $10 donations for parking passes. You could put that in the offering under Hope Totes. You could just give it. If you would like to give to Care Ministries to get any of this started, you can do that. That's not, that's not what this is about today at all, but I'm just letting you know because some of you may have that question. We need you to begin bringing in these items because we're going to clean out a room back there and we're going to begin starting to collect and to store. We're also going to pray and reach out to the community to help us do this because we don't really know how big it's gonna be, right, Just We still don't have numbers, we don't have expectation, but I know it's bigger than what we were thinking. This is an awesome opportunity. And I think our reputation precedes us 
by the character and love that they have seen in families from this church. And that is a testimony to you. Now let's finish it. Let's show them that that's not just a couple people. That is our character. That is our trademark to give and to love. We're going to pray. Um, we will in the near future be sharing, you know, kind of a broader scope and how you can get involved and getting some things out to find out about your testimony and if you would be willing to be a peer partner as people come in that are lost. Um, but just be in prayer and be expecting and let us know what your gifts and talents and resources are that you want to use for God, that you don't know what to do with them. I bet we do, and God does. So let's just pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your loving kindness, God, for your patience with us. We thank you for what you've given this church. It's special, but it's not just meant for us, God. It's time. It's time to give it away. It's time to welcome in others and extend our family and build it. God, may you anoint every person in here. God, give them a heart drop moment every day. Let us come in with testimonies and, and let that be contagious, God, as we encourage each other and we see what you're doing in our community. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.